Hello, this is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, Heavy Hole Podcast, joined by my co-host, Sam Sherrick. How you doing, Sam? Yo, what's up, everybody? I'm, I'm chilling, you know, just, just just another day for us metal guys, you know. Another- it, it's uh, kind of gloomy out here on Long Island. Another day in the hole. Yeah, last time I had you, it was just last week we, we introduced you as, as a co-host. You were coming back from the beach. You had ice cream. I feel like now we're really getting to see what you can do because it's because it's rainy and shitty outside. Uh, it's not a beach day. Uh, what, what was your day no like ice today? Cream, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Uh, what did I get into today? Uh, I, I actually I ended up spending the night at my <laughs> at my practice space, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there's no windows in there, as uh, you know. So I kind of like woke up and uh next thing i knew it, it was uh noon o'clock so <laughs> yeah my, my my day was a, a little bit uh slow but uh I, I i got myself into the gym and it was good uh yesterday I, I met up with uh my boy john from yonkers we uh we jammed in there uh we're, we're working on a, a a new band with me and uh doug i don't want to give too, too much away but okay. uh so it should be cool whenever whenever that stuff uh, ends up coming out. All right, sleeping in the rehearsal space. I laughed because we, I was just I was just in that rehearsal space. I thought it was funny that we crammed uh, not just all six members of Reeking Aura, but seven and eight, the two guys from Ninth Realm, Liam yeah. and uh, I forget who who was it. Liam and Ben. Liam and Ben from Ninth Realm. Yeah, they uh they they came down to a little reeking war rehearsal because this past Saturday um was that Amityville matinee show. Shout out to everybody who was there. Doom Creeper on stage. I shouted out the wrong name, Doom Creeper from Brentwood. Upcoming new death metal band, Doom Creeper from Brentwood. Like those guys, like the energy. Um they did great. Yeah, they, yeah, they sounded sick. They 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 were awesome. Uh I, I've seen them a handful of times, but uh this is the second time I caught him with uh, their drummer Josh Bundra, yes. who I've I've, uh, I've known for quite a while. Like we're kind of uh, in the same age group, so you know, kind of like came up together. So I've known him for a while. So it's it's cool to see him uh, back at it. And uh, yeah, the, yeah, they sounded great. And uh, yeah, shout out to him for backlining the drums for the the whole gig too. Okay, I didn't realize that too, man. So big shout to Doom Creeper. Maybe we'll I I I would love to promote the more. Um, Young young guys out there, man. Maybe when they got something new, we'll get them on the on the program or something. Maybe not. Um. Uh. Maybe we won't even wait. Maybe we'll just get them up soon. Uh. Who? Ninth Realm. Uh. And um. Cavern Womb. Did I get all that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I you just did get it right, dude. Everybody knows me by, by this point. Don't take it personal with the band. The last, by the way, I just want to get in front of it when I interviewed Mike from Warflutch. Warf Warflutch. I said he <laughs> oh, was. There you go. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said he was in Hot Cross. He's in. He's in Hot Graves. There was like twice. Yeah, it's embarrassing, but we let it go. Um, but yeah, so regardless, I'm not really great with the band names, but you know that's that's where we stand with that man. Um, uh, Ninth Realm, uh, Cavern Womb, and Doom Creeper all playing um, with the Reeking Aura record release matinee show uh, we did the other day. That was a great time. Shout out to Chris McCarthy yeah. of Internal Bleeding doing the door there. Big shout out. I love that guy. Yeah, uh, much, much love to Chris and all the staff at AMH. Beautiful sound. We hit him with the three guitarists uh, right out of left field, and he knew exactly what to do with it. He was in the pocket. I love that. Um, oh, Tom, the sound guy. Yes, big yeah. shout out. He, uh, Yeah, he makes uh, all my band sound good. Uh, I, I told him that, you know, 
uh, whenever I'm playing there, it's like 99% of the time, it's always him. Like he's, yeah, he's always, I, I know they have other sound guys, but like, he's really in there putting in the work. So yeah. shout out to him. He does a great job. Love AMH. Um, and you know what? Later on, I'm going to keep the listeners in suspense. We're going to give a show rundown. We got big news. Um, some people might have might know what's going on. Some people might not. We're going to talk about AMH a little bit more later uh, coming up. We also got some um, shows from Exsanguinated, the band that Sam and I are in, um, Reeking Ore, the band that Sam and I are in also, and other bands that Sam's in that I'm It's We're going we're gonna to figure it all out in a little while. Um, but Sam, you know, something else, I, I, I don't know if you go this route lately. I've been, I've been, I'm a little, I'm not ashamed. I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. I've been drinking tea and I've been listening to seventies progressive rock. Um, I, I wrote down a few out. I've been listening. I listen, I listen to Kansas left overtures. I listened to yes, yes stories. Um, and what was the other one? I listened to rush uh, uh, a fa- farewell to Kings. Do you know any of those albums? I, I, I love, uh, I love all those bands to very varying degrees. I would say out of all huh. of them, uh, I, I'm a huge Rush fan. Uh, Rush is uh, one of the earliest bands in my life that I uh, kind of got into. Uh, they're, they're my dad's favorite band. I've I've seen them like huh. six times. All of Jones Beach. The, you know, I, I feel like that. It always comes back to Jones Beach whenever I'm uh, <laughs> I'm on here, but uh, yeah, I uh, I was actually recently kind of doing a little deep dive into uh, the 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 eighties rough stuff. So I mean, uh, Farewell to Kings is a great album, and I I would say they're like seventies, you know, like heavy metal prog stuff is kind of their best. But uh, I do think that like the whole like signals through like power windows hold your fire run of records even presto like like, like the, the 80s uh era of rush is kind of slept on i, I think I, I would say not by keith harris of afterbirth big shout to him he, oh I, no definitely not <laughs> i gotta get you two on to talk rush one day um because here on the heavy hole podcast we love expanding our horizons and getting into all the little uh, uh nooks and crannies of underground extreme music tonight I'm going to bring on a man who can do just that. He's going to take me outside of my comfort zone um, and put into context some some different types of uh, uh, extreme music. My old friend Vinny Panza, multi-instrumentalist uh, and vocalist, uh, drummer uh, behind the band Vinny and the Hooligans, based out of uh, Brooklyn, New York. Also uh, drummer of Locked Inside, straight-edge hardcore band based out of New York City. And he's going to tell us some of his tales about formerly being the drummer of bands like Youth of Today, Bold and Shelter. Um, we're going to get him on. Um, what are your cats' names? Uh, so this is, <laughs> as, hey, coño, nene, que me hace? Uh, this is Giuseppe, and then I got, uh, my wife's bringing over the other guy. This is Louis Gino here. Louis so G- Giuseppe and Lou. 
I love it. Big Lou. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. My boys. Named after, uh, well, that one, I just like the name Giuseppe and Lou's after my uncle Luigi. Luigi, enough, so. Yeah, I know you're a family-oriented guy, man. I, I know you yeah, I am. I am. Um, all right, man. Well, like, I, I'll tell you what, man. Usually, I, I give people a minute. I ask if you got any questions or concerns behind the scenes before we start rolling with the interview. Um, anything like that. You know the drill. I'm just going to ask you about music and, and talk about our friends and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm good, man. I, you know, I've uh, I've done <clears throat> a lot of Zoom stuff and meetings and some interviews and stuff. So yeah, I'm comfortable with the format. Whenever you're ready, man, I'm 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 ready for you. Let's oh, go. Awesome, because I feel like we're rolling in hot right now, man. And and we got yeah, good, go. good energy. Let's catch up. Uh, I'm I'm recording now. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm here with the man himself, Vinny Panza. How you doing, Vin? I'm doing great, man. Uh, happy to be, happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, uh, welcome aboard. And uh, for our listeners, Vinny, you're a multi-instrumentalist uh, and vocalist. Uh, people might know you from Vinny and the Hooligans, uh, yeah, which is a, right. a long-time band you've been focusing on. Um, you also have some other projects that we're going to talk about, bands in the past that have band members in common with even some of my bands um, and all sorts of things. And, and you've even played drums for some legacy hardcore bands live uh, through the Absolutely, years. Yep. So yeah, we're, we're going to get down to all of that and more. I know you got a lot going on. You're a man of many facets, as I was uh, going to say <laughs> before. So where we always start with every guest, I'm going to ask you the typical question. We talked about family already. Uh, are you from a particularly musical family, any musicians in your family or anyone who steered you into uh, heavier music or rock music growing up? Um, you know, I have, uh, no, no musicians, the same, I want maybe a little bit to the same level that I am in my immediate family, but there's definitely musical ability. Um, my, uh, it was really my father that, uh, that kind of got me into music in the first place. A again, it's not something that he, uh, got into as, as heavily as I did, but, but, you know, he plays the piano a little bit, he plays guitar, you know, in his, uh, in his late sixties, he started picking up a guitar again. So it's good to see him, uh, playing. But, um, but yeah, he really kind of put me into that. Um, I, there's, you know, ability in the family to both my younger sisters sing. And they're actually really great, uh, really great vocalists. My youngest sister uh, in particular, and you can actually hear her voice on um, a few of the songs for uh, the, the latest release of Vinny and the Hooligans. Uh, my mom's brother, her oldest brother, uh, my uncle Walter, he, um, he was actually a, uh, you know, again, semi-established musician in like the mid, late 70s, mid 70s. Um, I think his band was called Sunshine, and they had like a, I think they had like a top twenty hit, okay. and it was you know kind of typical. It wasn't like it was just like typical kind of maybe pop rock, but but he's very talented, and uh, he owned a studio actually uh, in Brooklyn that like the Fat Boys recorded at, like did some of this stuff in the mid eighties because he was really into like synths and stuff uh, wow. later on, and and I think actually late era Ramones uh, practiced in a studio that he owned, um, uh, either a studio that he owned or a studio that he ran. I want to say, uh, I know he had a couple. I want to say one of them was actually right around the block from where I lived uh, on a 20th Avenue, 65th Street, a couple blocks over. I know it, it turned into something else now. I think it's like a, I think it's like a Muslim like cultural center. But I think for a while, I think he told me that it was a, you know, a studio. I mean, 30-something you know, years ago that uh, some, some bigger bands that had, uh, had practiced that. So, so, yeah, there's definitely musical ability in the family. I, I probably, uh, of anybody in, on both sides of my family, extended uh have the let's say uh you know maybe the most experience actually like playing in bands and, and going around though okay man what you said the fat boys man that that got that yeah got, that, i know right that struck a nerve <laughs> um yeah absolutely uh, yeah interesting man. okay so there's a brooklyn connection there because are you are you originally from new jersey 
No, so I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. I was born in uh, in Benson's first side, Victory, Victory Memorial. Anybody that <laughs> remembers that, I think it's shut down now. It uh, <laughs> didn't really stay up too, uh, too much in the later years, but I was born at Victory Memorial Hospital in Brooklyn. Uh, we moved out to Jersey in the 90s, and that's, I mean, that's where I grew up. Like, I, you know, I was there, middle school, high school, uh, and everything. But, but, you know, most of my family, uh, my, my sister's always getting on my back about it because they think, like, I'm trying to, like, go play like I'm from the hood in Brooklyn. No, 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 because, you know, they're like, you lived in Jersey, but they don't, I don't, you know, when we were younger, because, you know, we, we moved out young, but all my family was still in Brooklyn. All of, uh, all of our holidays, summers, even weekends, honestly, up until probably until middle school, everything was still spent in Brooklyn and Staten Island where my, uh, most of my family lived. And, um, and so, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I grew up in um, uh, central Jersey, like Monmouth County. And we were, what I've realized much later on, like by the end of the nineties, we were one of the first families of like many kind of Brooklyn expats that moved to that neighborhood. You know, when you think of, I think like Italians and Hispanic people and stuff, um, in Jersey, maybe you think more of like Hoboken and Bayonne, like those areas, but like this whole swath of Greeks and Italians and even like old school Irish and, you know, and Puerto Ricans and stuff from, you know, Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, Dyker Heights, Midwood, all those, all those neighborhoods ended up moving to specifically Monmouth County, which is where, you know, people think of it as like the shore. So like, uh, you know, like, uh, like Jersey shore, if you go in maybe 30 minutes inland, uh, it's like Central Jersey, Manalpin, Marlboro, uh, Freehold. A lot of people that live there now are people like my parents and, and families that left, uh, you know, that left Brooklyn in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. Most of my family still has roots there. And uh, it was, if you look at the first even couple records that I did with, um, that I did for Vinny and the Hooligans, it's um, the first two are uh, different sides, different pictures of the Verrazano Bridge going from Staten Island to Brooklyn because it was such a, you know, even as a kid, it was such a specific site to me that every time, you know, we'd make it through Staten Island. If you, if you take, you know, the, um, if you take 440, there's one point where it kind of cuts through like the big hills and you can kind of see the Verrazano in the distance kind of like peeking over. And it was always a big thing to me because I hated it out in Jersey when I first got there. It was so quiet. I didn't know anybody, all my friends, all my family was still in Brooklyn. And I was like, why did you move me out to like the forest? I don't understand. So it's whenever we would come back, um, I'd see the Verrazano in the distance, kind of like over the, you know, cutting between the hills. And it was like this, you know, like this sigh of relief, you know, like that I was coming back home. I was coming back home. So that's why the first kind of, even that first record that I did, the first like, you know, demo uh, with Vinny and the Hooligans, it was Vinny Hooligans first. And then I came to Vinny and the Hooligans, but that first one was called Brooklyn Bound because it was always such a, a warm place in my heart when I would see the Verrazano. And I'm like, oh, okay, finally I'm home. I, you know, my, my cousins, my grandmother, you know, my aunts and uncles are on the other side of that bridge. So, um, so yeah, but, uh, but, you know, aside from that, yeah, you know, I spent, um, you know, middle school, high school uh, in Jersey and I grew up in that kind of punk scene. So that really is what, that's where I cut my teeth. Like, I guess in, uh, in at least the, the underground music scene. Okay. Um, all right. Understandable. Um, and, you know, I was going to ask when you go out to New Jersey, you already in- implied that, you know, as, as a teenager, perfectly understandably, um, you, you were maybe a little bit, uh, we'll say like resentful of of being out in the woods, like you said, <laughs> as opposed to being in in Brooklyn where your family and your friends were. Uh, do you think that had anything to do with um, or coincided with the interest in punk rock and that kind of uh, um, subculture and and that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, for sure. I think um, you know. I, I mean, Jersey, you know, the the hub city specifically, like that kind of hub city scene around New Brunswick, uh, was was a great scene, you know, in and of itself. 
And, uh, you know, yeah, I guess th there was a little bit of that kind of outcast. I've, I've always been kind of a contrarian, like maybe an outcast uh, mentality, you know, like a DIY. And I, I get a lot of that, I think, from my dad. But, um, but yeah, I think there was this always this feeling of like, okay, you know, I uh, maybe I don't fit in so much uh, for one reason or another. And especially in high school, I went to a high school that was, I mean, I got into punk a little bit before, like in middle school. But even in high school, it was uh, kind of an all-boy prep school. And it was very kind of you know got like you know and, and you know this is nothing against i, I love the school i went to cba uh but uh, and i had a you know a bunch of decent decent friends there but it was very much like white guys named chad and like <laughs> you know uh, you know i don't know like ralph lauren's not the name but, but like polo shirts and stuff you know yeah and um and it was just like a very different thing and you know punk rock was one of these uh, these things where like, I, you know, I already felt like I wasn't in where I'm from. I wasn't like in, you know, on the streets in Brooklyn and, you know, I'm out in the sticks here. And even like 10 years later, I felt like, okay, you know, where do I fit in, in all this? And punk rock seemed to be like the perfect, you know, Island of misfit toys that I felt I kind of connected with people in, for whatever reason, you know, there was, there was people in the punk scene that I got into that, you know, that were originally from Jersey and, and maybe grew up with those other, you know, kids named Chad. Uh, but like they didn't feel like they fit in with them. And then I had my own reasons for why, you know, maybe New Jersey didn't feel totally right for me. And um, but I think, yeah, I think it definitely affected. Um, it definitely was contributive to how I got into the punk scene, you know. OK, man. And, you know, something I want to get into because you end up um, working with a very specific uh, type of uh, or like offshoot, I guess you could say, of the, of the hardcore punk scene in a lot of ways. Typically, what we cover on the podcast is a lot more like death metal, a lot more on the metal side of things. Sure, sure. Um, and we, you know, we recently had uh, Mike um, Mike Bruno uh, from Iron Sheik, whose vocalist, oh, awesome. his vocalist uh, Jason Lubrano, uh, did a guest appearance on your yep. latest album. Um, so that's just a little segue for the listeners. We're definitely dealing with like um, more more uh, of a roots rock and punk rock based type of music tonight a lot, and also old school hardcore punk and. Yep. Would you agree, like, this is kind of me as, a, as like, like, using layman's terms, me as more of a spectator of this type of music than someone who's been on the inside of it, um, youth crew-style hardcore, um, yeah. uh, which, from my knowledge, embodies typically um, a lot of veganism, straight-edge ethics, uh, and positivity in terms of, like, you know, lyrics and, and mindset. Is that fair to say? Uh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's always little, you know, sub pockets like, like, you know, same thing in, in heavy music, there's little sub pockets of everything. But overall, yeah, I think youth crew is defined by those things, you know, as best as, as a person can uh, accomplish or achieve on their own, like a yeah, positive PMA, like positive mental attitude, kind of uh, a clean life. Uh, not, I, you know, I don't think everybody in youth crew is maybe, I mean, some people might disagree with this, but I don't think everybody in youth crew is like straight edge or vegetarian, vegan, but I think for the most part, you can make a generalization that a lot of them are. And uh, and I think even sonically, the style of music typically is a little faster, a little thrashier, um, maybe not as heavy, but still hard, but coming from a different place, you know, just, you know, fast, aggressive in your face, um, you know, but um, but maybe, maybe closer to the, excuse me, to like the faster, thrashier punk than than the heavy uh like then the let's say metal crossover stuff yeah man and and um i you know i'm familiar with some of the 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 um 
large like like larger names i guess from that because you know i like a lot of different music you know not that i know all the nitty-gritty but just for the listeners too as we go through this um i quickly jotted down a few albums and maybe you know maybe you, you might have a bone to pick or, or or set me straight if you feel the need but quickly uh judge bringing it down from 1989 um shelter attaining the supreme from 93 and bold speak out from 88 those three albums would probably loosely fit into this conversation right for the listeners if they want a little reference yeah for i you know i think uh, i think uh bold probably the three of those is the let's say the, the clearest, the uh, best example of youth crew, like Bold and, and early youth of today uh, is, we're probably, I would say sonically and, and lyrical content. Uh, those, are, those are maybe the best representatives of that style. And then where that evolved eventually, uh, you know, I think uh, Judge and, and Shelter are definitely like the next steps. You know, like that's what, you know, a lot of the youth crew kids kind of grew up into, um, uh, shelter and and judge maybe even splintering while shelter kind of continued a little bit more on the positivity like the youth crew uh, judge is maybe some of the early kind of heavier stuff that like maybe heavier straight edge music heavier vegan vegetarian straight edge like that scene kind of turned into you know so because if, you know, if you listen to judge and again there's like other other bands you know um from uh you know let's say adjacent scenes that that influenced what we a lot of what we got into in the 90s like heavy mad ball and, and earth crisis and stuff but i would say judge maybe influenced that like offshoot uh whereas shelter uh, probably led uh was closer let's say more adjacent and more um contributed to some like the uh, post hardcore and you know lighter more melodic stuff that that came out uh, in the 90s like on rev and equal vision and stuff like that but um but yeah you know if, if we're going to um you know, archetypical youth crew, you know, straight edge hardcore, uh, particularly, yeah, bold, like bold speak out. Uh, and, um, you know, youth of today, uh, you know, we're not in this alone, like, you know, the, the record collection, I think those are, those are really good, good starting places. That That's an awesome distinction that you just made for me, because I did realize, obviously, that the Judge record was way heavier and maybe a little bit more metal adjacent yeah. than the Shelter record, which had a lot more melodic and kind of dissonant sounds going on. Um, so I, I, I appreciate the context of why they make kind yeah. of make sense in the same record collection in a way. Um, yeah, if you think in terms of like guitars, like, you know, I, I, in my head, I've thought of this. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's uh, just me or maybe, I, you know, I'm making my own conclusions, but the way, you know, like Vinny, the Vinny stigma from, you know, agnostic front, he went from like agnostic front and then, you know, wrote a lot of like early, you know, mad ball stuff. And you see that kind of that transition from agnostic fronts, like mad ball. Then you go from same thing Purcell wrote, you know, like, most of much of the uh, youth of today catalog and then did the same thing for judge he went from like the faster thrashier stuff and then you heard a lot of that heaviness in uh in judge as well so uh you know i think it's an interesting kind of parallel but but yeah you know the a lot of the same members but just kind of a, a shift in the type of music they were writing okay so and then what i'm getting at too you yourself um do you identify as straight edge and vegan or either or yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I never did any, it, it wasn't like I didn't have like a sob story. And, you know, I know some people do. You know, <laughs> no, and, and that's the thing too. Like everybody has their reasons. Like I don't get anybody that has like a very specific reason why they became straight edge. I just, for one reason or another, it just wasn't, it was just never a thing I did. I never started with that. Uh, I never started or was never interested in trying out, you know, smoking or, or drinking and any of that stuff. And it became, an, a, became kind of a thing with myself, 
even in like middle school when kids were, you know, I'd go to parties and people were like, oh, you know, you, you know, you, they'd pass me a joint or they'd ask me if I wanted like a sip of a beer. And I just, I just legitimately wasn't interested. I was like, oh yeah, maybe next time, maybe next time. And then it kind of became a thing. And then I, and then I found like straight edge hardcore later on. And, um, and I was like, oh wow, this like, this is a thing. Other people do this cool. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. And I mean, it's, you know, it's been my whole life now. It's been, you know, 30 something years since, uh, you know, since I'm, since I'm a younger kid when I, you know, when I first started turning, turning stuff down. Uh, and then the vegan thing was later on. I was, uh, it was actually after I'd already played in the bands. I was, uh, you know, an omnivore at the time, my early twenties. And then I, w I went on tour with Bold, uh, was one of the first big tours that I went on. And, um, the, uh, you know, they talked about vegetarianism. Some of them were vegetarian, some of them were vegan and they kind of just put, you know, planted a seed in my head. And when I came back from that first tour, I went, I think it was in 2005. Um, I was with Frank, I was living with Corva and, uh, you know, I had it in my mind that I would try out the vegetarian, you know, the vegetarianism thing at first. And I just kind of did it on a day. I was like, all right, you know, one day I was like, flip, I'm going to try it. And, and then I never went back and I was like near vegan, almost vegan at the beginning. And then vegan, like, you know, within, within like six months or a year after. And that's, I mean, that's like 16 years ago now. So I've been vegan close to 16 years. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. And I want to get into that time period, but bef but right, right before we do that quickly, because we kind of left off with you uh, in New Jersey, you're getting involved mm -hmm. in the punk scene um, out there. Are there any bands, I mean, you know, I don't know, you know, if you had high school bands, is there anything like to speak of, I guess you would say, um, before you kind of jump off and start playing with these uh, older, more established hardcore bands? Like, I know, you know, we're going to talk about the bands you were in with some mutual friends of ours, but, like, yeah. what was the starting point where, where people knew you as a, dr as a local drummer? Was there bands that maybe we don't know about as well before that? Uh, yeah, I mean, th so there was this band, my first band, really, uh, was this band called Self Born. It was... Um, it was uh, 97, 90, 97, 98. And a couple interesting, I think, things about that. It was just like some kids from, uh, from the, you know, I, so I, I lived in Manalpin. Uh, that's where my family still lives. Uh, and there were some other, you know, kind of like punk, you know, hardcore kids that, uh, that played music. There was a small scene there. And when I went to the high school, um, uh, some other friend of mine from the neighborhood said, hey, look out for so-and-so, this kid, Brian, Brian Close. Uh, uh, look out for him. He go, he's, uh, he's a senior. I was a freshman. I was going into the high school. She was like, yeah, you know, he's a senior, but, um, I, you know, I know you play drums. I just started playing drums like a year before I started playing drums at, uh, I was a piano player first, uh, you know, cause that, that's what I grew up playing. And then I, I picked up drums at like 13, like in eighth grade or so. And then, uh, I, anyway, she was like, yeah, you know, look up for Brian, look for Brian. You know, he's into hard, he's into the punk scene. He's into the hardcore scene. I know he's looking for a drummer. And uh, so, you know, he had started with uh, another friend, John, uh, and then this guy, Billy, Billy O'Brien. Anybody out in uh, Jersey will, will know that name. He's a big part of the scene. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so we started this band, Self Born. I played drums in that. And Billy was actually, I think he was my age, a little bit younger. And he, his older brother was in this, at the time, well-known hardcore band, Cor Corrupt, but like core like c-o-r-e <laughs> you know yeah so uh it was that band and then his his, uh, his older brother's name was darren but um but yeah so th there was like the scene out there bands were like second to none i mean e-town was like you know they got bigger later on but like e-town second to none fury of five vertebraker livid like all these bands that were part of that uh part of that scene um and so i played drums in that for a while and the guy that recorded our second demo was actually um God, I forget his name. He played. He played in a band at the time. He played in a band called Super Grub, and then I think he played. Uh, ben Kenny. Ben Kenny. He played 
I want to say drums in the roots for a little bit. And then I think now, or at some point played bass or guitar in some big rock band, like a, like a, like a, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what level to put them on, but like a, a big, big rock band. Uh, and if, you know, if, if we look it up after I could look it up on my phone, Ben Kenny, he, um, anyway, he was from, uh, he was from like the, what's it called the shore scene out in jersey and one of the guys in my band knew him he was a great engineer he we recorded like in his uh in his uh, kind of uh studio above his garage and he was like maybe five years older than us at the time but he seemed like he was you know the i mean he was probably in his early 20s mid-20s but he seemed like this old you know old sage but um but he recorded our stuff so i played in that and then through that is where i met a lot of the people in kind of the hardcore scene in jersey in like the uh, in the late 90s and um you know we would play um, a lot i mean anyone from that area will probably remember you know some of the you know club benet that eventually became chrome uh and uh, birch hill and we used to play casino skate park a lot uh you know obviously the stone pony um brick firehouse you know the um you know a bunch of different uh, knights of columbuses and stuff so it was it was a fun scene but again i was i felt like i was always the punk kid and more like an old school hardcore kid that was playing in bands and in a scene that was more that kind of like stomp core, you know, yeah, New Jersey yeah. bloodline, sworn enemy and stuff. And it was never like much my thing. I mean, I had fun at the shows, but I was always a little bit more of that kind of like, I want to play fast, you know, at least as a drum, I always wanted to play fast stuff. And then the music I wrote was a little bit more rock and roll, but that was that kind of weird dichotomy I always had. Un understandable. Um, especially young drummers, man, want to go fast I just looked it yeah. up. Ben Ben Kenny's been the bassist of Incubus since two thousand three. There it is. Yeah. So he's doing so that he, guy. He's yeah. doing okay. He's doing all right. He's doing all right. Yeah. yeah that guy recorded my <laughs> high school hardcore. You know, uh, hardcore. Record. I could send. Remind me later on when we get off. I can find. A, I have like an MP three of you know like a tape that you know I put a tape into it into my computer, but uh, of like some of the old stuff we did. And funny thing is, I I play drums pretty much the same way as I did. <laughs> so uh, you know, 20, 30 years later. Well, all right. Speaking of playing drums, then okay. So, then um, is it is the first band you get hooked up with to to really tour and play a lot of shows with? Then Bold or like like what's the interaction? There? How do you get hooked up? <clears throat> yeah. So like once I had come back to the city, so I came back to the city for for college. I um, you know, moved into uh, into Manhattan and moved around there. And uh, you know, I met some guys. My roommate, actually, at the time, uh, one of my good friends, Stan. I think you you probably you met him before with the big beard. Uh, he's a great photographer. But uh, you know, a couple of different things. Like he had seen a thing. Like H two O was looking for like street team people. So uh, me and Stan were like, oh, we live like a few blocks away from the mailing address. Let's let's try to be street teamers for H two O's new record. Right. This is maybe two thousand two thousand one. Through that, I meet this guy, uh, Seth, Seth Abrams, really, really great guy in the scene. He had done a lot of marketing for them, and he had done a band. He wanted to do a band. I ended up playing drums for that, this band called Mensch, uh, which was described as a stoner hardcore band. Uh, it was like kind of, I, I don't even know how to describe the music. It was some rock and roll, some kind of like 80s old school hardcore, but um, and it was all themed, like all the songs were, were written about like, like Jewish gangsters on the Lower East Side in New York City, like in the 18, 1880s and stuff. Uh, and Seth was like super into the history and everything. So like songs were about like the tenement buildings back in the day and this guy, Monk Eastman and the gang that he ran. I mean, it was like an art project. It was super cool, super fun. Um, but, uh, but through that band that I played in, uh, I met like some other musicians kind of like in New York. And then it was through that that I met Tim, Tim from Bold. Um, we just happened to be playing in the same uh, uh, uh the same um, practice studio on 8th Avenue 
Uh, and funnily enough, the space that we were in was the room that uh, Madonna apparently in the 80s like slept in, practiced and slept in when she moved to New York. So, and there's, apparently there was a thing on like VH1, like behind the music, uh, where she goes into the studio that we practiced in. This is where Sayonara and Stay Alive, the bands that you knew, you know, uh, practiced in before, you know, before we moved out of there. And you can see her actually her, uh, her, uh, you know, signature or her, her autograph is like on the wall behind like a piece of plexiglass. Wow. And then right behind it, you know, yeah, we practiced in that room. So it was coming out of that room one day, uh, Tim uh, from Bold, you know, this is obviously years after Bold had uh, broken up, was going in for some band that he was playing in and he stops me. And uh, my buddy who like, uh, you know, I was in there with, is like, oh yeah, by the way, Vinny, this is my friend, Tim, Tim, Vinny, na na na. And I think I was, I think I was a Frank actually, we were walking out of, uh, of practice, into practice. And Tim's like, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you. You look kind of familiar. You know, did you play in any late 80s hardcore bands? I laugh. I'm like, dude, I was like six, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you? Because to me, he looked like a couple of years older than me. I was maybe 23 or 24 at the time. He looked like he was 28. He's got a baby face, but he was obviously much older. He was in his 30s. And uh, I'm like, why did you? And he's like, oh, well, you know, very humbly. He was like, yeah, I played in this band, Bold and Crippled Youth. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I did some shows with, like, Youth for Today and, and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm like, just those bands. Like, you know, here I am, some young straight edge kid. And he's talking about these bands like it's nothing. And these are bands I grew up listening to. And, uh, yeah, him and I just kind of hit it off, became best friends, honestly, within, like, six months. He had some other projects uh, that he had needed drumming for that, I, you know, he wanted me to work on. And then right around that time... I guess that was like 2005, 2000, yeah, about 2004, 2005, right about that time is when Revelation decided to do like a discography of Bold. So Crippled Youth was the first band, and that's another another good example of like Youth Crew Hardcore. That was the first band, and then they had a you know a full a few EPs and a few records as Bold. So uh, the, the Rev was going to basically put them all into one discography, re-release it, you know, like on, on new vinyl and stuff, uh, and they wanted to you know package it with some shows, like a reunion show. So at the time, Drew, the original drummer, couldn't do it. He was playing in some other things. And Tim was just like, yeah, you know, you seem, you seem like you're cool. You're straight edge. You know, I, you know I've, I've heard you play drums. You, you play that, that sound music. Would you be interested? And I mean, obviously, I was interested, you know. Um, and, uh, and that's how it started. He, you know, he pulled me in. I uh, befriended him and, like, Tom Capone, TC3. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I met the other guys. And, uh, yeah, we did, you know, a handful of those uh, first reunion shows, they didn't, they didn't go great, you know, uh, but uh, but they were still super fun. You know, I mean, they were super, super fun to play. Uh, but, uh, you know, from there, you know, we I mean, it, I ended up playing with them for another 10 years or something after that. So, OK, man. And I, I want to take this slow because we always try to go chronologically. You just sure. you just reminded me of something else I want to get into. Um, re remind me, Vinny, are, you practice the mar you practice a, a martial arts, a form of martial arts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing, I did Kempo Karate as a kid. I have a black belt in that from when I was 14 and that, that I got at 14. And then since then I've been studying, you know, kickboxing, Muay Thai, um, uh, you know, Dutch style kickboxing, huh. uh, you know, regular American boxing. And now I'm actually studying uh, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu at uh, Henzo Gracie over here in the city. All right. I just want to pause this for the listeners. You, you younger guys, you see what the straight edge guys can do with their time? When they're not doing, <laughs> when they're not fucking smoking, smoking weed and fucking drink. All right, is it? I mean, I'm joking, but I'm not. Yeah. But um, yeah, you gotta do, you gotta do something with the time. I mean, if if I have I have all the energy, and if I don't do something with it, I'm gonna do something bad with it. You know what I mean? So oh, fair enough. Like getting the, you know, yeah, practice, do something. Otherwise, uh, yeah, my brain's just gonna go like this. It's ain't gonna lead anywhere good. So I try to do something positive <laughs> with it where I can. Well, you de you, you, know? de you definitely do, and. 
Now, well, the, the reason that comes to mind, I remember years ago um, when I was a little more active personally on social media, I, I had you, I think, on Facebook, like many years ago, and you were practicing, I, I think maybe it was some form of like martial arts or maybe like, it almost looked like you guys were doing yoga and headstands and things when you were, I think, on tour with Youth of Today. Do you, you, does that yeah. ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. So both uh, Porcel plays guitar and uh, Ray uh, Raghunath, he goes by uh, Capo, uh, Ray Capo, he sings. They're both yoga teachers. And, mm. uh, you know, some of their history, if you, know, if you follow them, if, if you know their, their kind of trajectory, they were straight edge kids. Uh, and then they got into, uh, they got really into being Hare Krishna and then became like these yogis. And then that's how like that band Shelter uh, kind of came into fruition, but, but they continued, uh, you know, they're, they're not like the, the Krishna monks that they were at one time, but they're still very involved in that, uh, in that culture. So, and part of that, you know, yoga in, is just kind of a big part of, um, of South Asian culture in general, you know, Indian culture specifically, but the two of them maintain that. So when we were on tour, yeah, we would do, uh, you know, we'd warm up, you know, because obviously the type of music that we play is very physical, especially what I do behind the drums and those guys are running around on stage. So, yeah, we would do like yoga, you know, before to, uh, you know, to warm up and get ready for stage. And then, you know, and then sometimes later on or like the next day, almost as a, as a stretch, as a cool down from uh, from all the work that we were doing. But it was, yeah, it was it was cool to be on stage. It was cool to be on tour and still be able to be kind of physical, uh, but in a way that was, let's say, centering. You know what I mean? Uh, when we were playing. So. Yeah, again, very, very different from some of the tour experiences um, uh, I've had. So, it sounds, I mean, no, it sounds like the smart way to do it, man. Yeah. Um, sounds like yeah, some, cool. s- something to look into. And, you know, kind of like, you know, where, where I'm going with a lot of this, too. Like, you just you just brought me there. Again, when I was looking up as more of a spectator, as an outsider, um, mm-hmm. some of this youth crew hardcore, especially with some of these guys you've worked with, it led into what people have called, uh, I don't know if this is, a, this is a name that people necessarily like from the inside, but Krishna core. Um, and it it has to do with a lot of influence from the Hare Krishnas. This, I mean, to me for years, I still don't really understand it. And I'm not necessarily asking you to be a diplomat for this sort of thing, (laughs) but maybe just since you, you know, a lot of these guys and you've worked with them, like, I mean, what's, um, what's kind of the connection there? I mean, I I guess with, with being into a, a, a drug free vegan lifestyle and a positive mind state, there's more parallels there than you would think at first. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of, a lot of crossovers. I think there are a lot of reasons maybe uh, why it became such a big part of the scene. And again, like, you know, I, I know what I know from them. I, you know, I never uh, partook in it myself. Uh, but again, it's, you know, when from an outsider's perspective, you see a bunch of Italian guys from New York, uh, you know, Ray <laughs> Capo, you know, um, John Porcelli, uh, you know, a handful of others and stuff, but these two guys specifically. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden they're, like in, you know, traditional Indian clothing, like Krishna clothing with like, uh, you know, the robes and, and they have like the paints on their face. And they did that for a long time. They went to, um, they went to, you know, temples and they studied and they lived a very like ascetic lifestyle. Um, from, from the stories they've told me and what, uh, what you know, I would, I would sit, because again, remember those guys are like 15 years older than us. So they, you know, they would tell stories about like the scene back in the day and what New York was like. Uh, and what I can say, what I can kind of pass on from what they passed to me is I think, um, you know, at the time it's, it almost, I guess there's a lot of different things on one level. It was almost punk rock in its own way to be, it was just so different. And so 
out against uh, like a lot of what was going on. Like at the time, you know, when they got into straight edge and stuff too. And I think, like I said, it, maybe it's an offshoot of that kind of clean straight edge lifestyle. You know, kid, there were so many people who were just like really kind of hung up on on this nihilism and drugs. And you know, New York City was a, you know, it, it was a, it was. We think it's tough in the '90s. It was real tough in the '80s when those guys were coming up. So everybody was just in this like nihilistic place. And they say it was almost more punk to just to be it, it oddly was ironically it was more punk to be clean and be focused uh in in a way that no one else around you seemed to be and that that felt like you know being rebellious to to kind of like live your life in a in a focused and and straight manner and if you take that to the extreme uh you know this kind of very almost religious lifestyle of like of krishna's i think lined up very well with that uh aside from that too you know you remember there was bands like uh you know um Chromags, like those guys were, you know, they 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 were some of the earliest adopters of like you know Krishna core and everything, and um, I think I think if you take a bunch of uh, and again this is not selling selling for sell or Ray or you know any of those guys, um, you know it's not throwing them under the bus or nothing, but I think you know you grow up, you're you're in this scene, the world sees you a certain way, maybe at home, um, you don't find acceptance from maybe your parents or from um, even you know even these other the rest of the scene you know at we think it's cool now, but like when, even when they first started, they'll tell stories about how people, even in the hardcore scene would like throw stuff at them and say like, you know, throw meat at them because they're like, who are these like young, stupid, like clean cut kids in our scene? We're like tough New York hardcore kids, you know, we're, we're, you know, agnostic front, like we're, you know, we're the Cro-Mags and now like you have like these young kids with like clean Nikes, like what are they doing coming into here? So maybe you have all these things and, uh, and you don't feel accepted. And then there's this, uh, you know, very powerful message, you know, happens to be a religious message from a different part of the world. And it seems like super accepting and it seems like to kind of be, let's say the, you know, the highest form of what you're, what you're, current culture is already achieving so if you're you know straight edge is about being kind of like focused and you know you're not not being a not being a slave to drugs or or peer pressure and you know you take that again to like the final step and this kind of you know monk lifestyle maybe makes sense you know um so i think a lot of those guys found value in that and and again they they went through their own uh they went through their own journey with the two because a lot of them got like really serious about being kind of these krishna monks and then they kind of dialed it back but still like follow the religion but aren't like monks at the ashram you know so um if i had to put two and two together i would say you know there's a there's a lot of things about just like life in new york city at the time being a punk growing up with like you know a certain feeling of not being accepted by the world and all the things that you know that the krishna conscious mindset had to offer and it seems you know it seemed really uh really valuable to them and and again 30 40 years later those guys are still devout like krishnas so you know more power to them wow not for me but you know, <laughs> it's not my thing but for them it's it's rad and uh well I, so. again I, I didn't want you know i wasn't asking you to be a diplomat necessarily for yeah, that, for that lifestyle <laughs> but um you know you do know some of those guys and are a little bit more familiar with that music scene than i am so that's that's really great insight yeah. that's what we look for a lot on this podcast is to try to explain like music subculture uh, especially a little bit outside of our comfort zone and these are all great yeah, albums yeah. and great bands for the listeners to check out um, so I just want to like, we'll pause right there real quick because around the same time period, you talked about moving back to Brooklyn. I did. I forgot you were in Sayonara with Tom. Yeah, and I, was, I was, I played drums for Sayonara. <laughs> oh right. my God. So right at, right okay. at the strong point, right at the, I think strong point, I don't know if they broke up, but they took a break and they were going to do some more stuff. And okay. then I came in and I was going to play drums, but then that turned into a thing with Rico on guitar. 
that was going to be called When I Am King, and then that didn't really work <laughs> out, and then that kind of formed into Sayonara, you know, with like a couple okay. of other other friends from NYU. Rico, oh man, Rico, yeah, Rico, uh, Rico, I love you, but you don't have an invitation on the podcast. I'm sorry, that's the first time <laughs> I ever, first time I ever had to shut it down on somebody. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I love you though, but. Um, uh, uh, that's yeah, that's a blast from the past because you know I was I was taking my notes before obviously stay alive and Thursday I remember I didn't realize there was like the, the direct lineage to strong point there so Sayonara was like a very interesting uh, you know we could just say metalcore I guess because we don't have all day to describe there's a lot going on with that band the best the best description we ever got was somebody said because there were six guys in the band two singers wow. and somebody somebody uh, in a zine said this out this record sounds like six guys running running headfirst into each other at full speed and it's awesome and that's essentially what it was like <laughs> six completely different music tastes all trying to mash it together i mean it was ridiculous and a lot of fun all at the same time but that was sayonara yeah man, yeah love rich and tom on vocals right yeah yep, yeah right. yeah and so was that your first time um interacting and meeting love rich and tom and maybe frank corva and that crew of guys like where do you go back because those are uh just for the listeners right like those are friends of my tom ander obviously longtime buckshot facelift bass player and reeking aura with me now and gray skies falling he's kind of like the link right Grace here and um uh, I, I'm just trying, like, trying to figure out where you where you come into the picture with that group of friends because that's where you and me probably meet, you know, eventually. No, absolutely, uh, and it's funny you say that because I was looking on my phone. Everything's like back up to my iCloud from like 20 years ago, and I still have photos of like you and me hanging out at uh, and like the whole crew at 8020 out in Bay Ridge wow. from like 2005, yeah. 2006. I'll find some and I'll send them to you. But um, so I met Frank, I met Corva in uh, at NYU. So him and I went to NYU. That's also where I met my buddy Stan that I mentioned before. And, um, yeah, we met <clears throat> like at orientation right before classes started. It was like this weird thing that at the end of orientation, they put us all in this big room. Everybody was in the same program. We, you know, we were studying the same thing and they're like, all right, you know, great orientation. Uh, you guys can, you know, just uh, mingle amongst each other and go home. We'll see you in the fall. And, uh, and everybody kind of, it was like a movie. Everybody spread out or everybody went to like the little groups and there were three guys. This is, this is legit. This is not exaggeration. There were three guys left in the middle. We didn't have like a crew and it was me, my buddy, Stan. And, and Frank and we all saw each other because like I was wearing like an op Ivy shirt or something Frank was wearing like a bouncing soul shirt and Stan I think was wearing like a one king down shirt so we just like everybody else dispersed and we saw the three of each other and we're like oh oh cool and so then we all at the end of the three of us ended up become friends like that uh, and then Frank and I got super close we got close uh, the following year we studied abroad in, in Italy and uh, we got close there so Frank is who I you know how I my kind of connection to all you guys because that's how I met Loveridge. That's how I met uh, Tom, Andra, you know, Bullwinkle, you know, like that whole crew. Yeah. And uh, yeah, even Nolte, yeah. you know, like, you know, Nolte plays ba uh, drums in my band now. And I met him, you know, 20 years ago through Frank. Yeah. So, um, so I met those guys probably around 2003, 2004. And because um, that same guy, Seth, that I said I was in that band, Mensch, with, he was going to put out, um, I think he was going to put out the Reformation or he was going to put out some record, maybe for Strong Point. He was going to be involved somehow. And then, when Frank was hooking all them up, that's when I met those guys. So, um, so then they all ended up living at eighty twenty two. Like, yeah. um, you know, a couple of those guys moved up. So I got close with them. I would say, yeah, like uh, two thousand three, two thousand four, and then especially in those kind of mid two thousands, right before the uh, right as the band started, right off the bat. But wow, okay, so. Um... And I, if I had to guess, I don't know if it was the first time, but the first time I remember, I mean, you didn't, you, wasn't there a Halloween show where Buckshot Facelift played in the basement of that building? 
or of someone's house. And I think Vinny and, does Vinny and the Hooligans go back to the early two thousands? No, uh, Vinny and the Hooligans. You know, I had written some of the songs like way way early, but I didn't okay. do anything with the band until like uh, early twenty tens, like 2012, 2013. All right. So all I'm right. trying to think. I mean, maybe there was. You know what? I've played in so many different small things, little bits and pieces here. Yeah, there. Maybe there yeah. was something I played in. But, but I remember seeing Buckshot uh, you know, a bunch of times in some grimy little places around New York. Oh, God, it was so, gross. Yeah, gross. Yeah, uh, it's the best way. And those are the best shows, you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, there was probably something early there that we that we both played in. All right, man. So you, so you, you fall in with that crew. That's, a, that's funny because I know those guys from when we were a little bit younger than that on Long Island before everybody went to college. <laughs> And yeah. it's like, you know, you talk about this more like positive, uh, melodic style of hardcore punk. You fell in with the right crew right there. Um, yeah. And at the right time, yeah, that first too, band, Stay yeah. Alive, was like was me, Loverage on guitar. I'm sorry, Loverage on bass, uh, Andra on guitar and Frank singing. And it was a little bit more like a Veil style kind of like, you know, lighter hardcore with like with melody. But but it's still I, w- I would have called it like a hardcore punk band, not even you know not even just like a like a straight punk band it, you know it definitely because frank sang like tommy corrigan and thomas tom you yeah, know yeah. and uh but yeah that was so and stay live did play at the the apartment a couple times so you probably came to a party and we were just playing in the living room so oh yeah i i distinctly remember seeing you guys play vinyl for my friends in the living room because that yeah. was that was like my that's obviously my favorite song uh, that you guys cut. Yeah, it's a classic. For the yeah. li- for the listeners, 2008, you can go back and look up Stay Alive, Vinyl for My Friends. It's on Bandcamp, I know, uh, along with some other stuff, man. And that um, recording was recorded just like in a practice space, like on like one mic. It was just, it sounded perfect the way it was. We kept it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really cool, melodic, hardcore record. And you stayed with that band uh, when they changed names to Thirsty when the new singer came in, right? That, that was the big yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah, Frank had gone uh, to do some traveling. You know, I mean, Frank's lived in <laughs> an amazing life. He's been, he's been all over. So when he said he was going to kind of travel the world a bit, we got uh, our buddy Brian Wallace, who um, I think we know through Tom Sheehan or through uh, another another friend of uh, another friend of us. I'm trying to remember exactly when. I remember the first time I met him was at I think it was a Stay Alive show at Fontana's, and he played. Uh, he's from Memphis. He moved to the city to to teach and to like live in New York. But, um, yeah, we met him there and then we tried out a few of our friends and, you know, uh, Brian, uh, just seemed to be the best fit. So that's, uh, so I stayed on drums and he basically just replaced, I don't even want to say replaced Frank when Frank left Wallace joined and then the band kind of, you know, morphed into something a little bit different. So we gave it the new name thirsty just to kind of reflect that it was a, that it was a different band, different, a little bit of a different sound. A hundred percent. Um, and you know what's funny? I was just looking at my phone now because I do. I periodically check like uh, your um your Bandcamp just to get some reference. I got I got some texts from Tom, and just just to catch you up in the interview, ask Vinny about Mensch and his epic birthday parties. <laughs> Two separate things. So yeah. we'll, we'll get to the birthday parties, but ask yeah. about eighty twenty. Ask about Bold, Sayonara, Stay Alive. He even says when I am yep. king. So we're right on schedule for Tom Andrew. A big All shout right, to and Tom. Tom's really the reason um uh, that we, I was able to uh hook up this interview with you tonight man the reason i know you so shout out to him of course absolutely good I, I love i love him with all my heart he's a he's a he's a special human an incredible musician and encyclopedic knowledge uh encyclopedic knowledge of, of music it, it always you know we tell stories about tom and you know tom if you're gonna see this you're gonna, you're gonna know exactly what i'm talking about and i was actually i was recording about like a week or two ago and we were talking about tom's amazing like brain for music he always see he's he sees around the curve like he he would call out trends in music 
I remember six, eight months ahead of time before it would even happen. Like this is in the two thousands, you know, or early twenty tens. He would just talk about stuff where he'd be like, Yeah, I'm listening to a lot of this right now and then and then it becomes like really populated. He just like always had his kind of you know ear ear to the ground but uh one of my favorite things that tom will do is he'll be like uh i know it's a bit of a tangent but i think it's it's a good you know it's a good yeah, s- yeah. delving into his brain is he'd be like yeah Vinny, you know you got to check out this record man you know like so and so 10 tracks you know i listened to it first listen second listen still not into it third listen fourth listen but then on the fifth <laughs> listen and, and we're not talking about like a punk record that's like 16 minutes long he'll yeah. talk about a record that's like 45 minutes long and he's talking about the fifth listen that it took him five yeah. listens yeah. of the entire record to get into it then on the fifth listen you gotta you gotta pay attention you gotta pay attention to tracks four and five yeah then on six and seven on the sixth and seventh listen then tracks nine and ten really start to sit with you and it's usually around i think it was around around listen number 11 is when i really got it and in my head i'm like Dude, you listen to a record eleven times before it finally <laughs> stuff. Like that's dedication. That's like real appreciation of just the art, and and I think that's why he, you know, I think it's why it's, it's he's as creative in music as he is, and uh, and knows as much as he does. Like he will really give something a chance, and he he like digs. Like few people I know really do. So, there's, you know, there's my 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 love of Tom Andrew. You know, I I I agree. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, when we could go. Uh, all, all day when me and him start talking music, that's for sure, man. Um, yeah, oh, I'm sure you've had that conversation before. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, man. So, well, what I'm getting at too is I know that you're on the you you said to, um, you're on the first Thirsty record, and right around that time is that the time that you join um, uh, Youth of Today as a live drummer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I so like I said, I joined uh, I joined Bold around 2004, 2005, and I that's how I met Purcell. And Purcell was you know he toured with Bold. So he was kind of like a you know a secondary member, um, and he came back for the reunions. But then uh, around 2010, I think it was, he um, you know he obviously he was like one of the founding members of Youth of Today, and he uh, asked me to play. Then I think uh, Sammy, I mean everybody knows Sammy Siegler, you know famous uh, hardcore drummer who plays with them again now. Now they're they're back to like an original lineup. But um, Sammy, I think was playing with Rival Schools at the time, and he had some kind of conflict, couldn't finish a tour. Um, so I was actually at work and I get an email or maybe like a MySpace match or something ridiculous. No, by then it was probably Facebook, whatever it was, uh, cause it was 2010. I get a message from uh, Purcell asking me if I could like fly out like two days later to finish the tour with them. And I was like in the middle of a big project at the startup I was working at and it didn't work out. They, they were able to work it out, but, but he's like, all right, look, it's cool. He's like, but in two months we're going to, uh, we're going to South America. You know, can you play? And, uh, he's like, you know, just listen to the records, learn the songs, He's like, maybe we'll practice. If anything, we'll just show up and just know the songs that we'll play. And that's how it went the entire time with them. Like, I think we actually had maybe one practice. <laughs> like, I can't even say that. Maybe half a practice once. I mean, the most, the closest thing to practice at the entire time I was in that band was like warming up, like a like sound check before a show, two or three songs, maybe. Um, but um, but yeah, so Purcell pulled me in and then I did my first uh, first tour with them, just like a week in, uh, in South America, uh, Peru, um, we went to Peru, uh, Argentina, uh, Chile and Brazil. It was super fun, obviously. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a pretty great experience for a young musician. And it's a band that you, so, you know, looked up to. I, I assume you, you know, I, I assume you were familiar with some of that material yeah. before that, obviously, <laughs> a, right? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So 
I mean, that must have been because also, like we said before, you know, I would imagine being on the road with these guys. It's not your typical rock and roll punk rock tour experience. You're you're in an in a location that's exotic to guys like you and me who grew up in the tri-state area. Um, yeah. You know, being in South America and Central America, there. Like, I mean, I'm not asking you to recount the whole tour, but maybe some highlights or some little culture shock moments or something. You know, I don't any anything that really impacted you. Yeah, I mean, like the whole thing was wild, man. You know, just from from the start, I you know. Playing with Bold was a huge thing, and I got I went on tour with them all around Europe. That was crazy, uh, and now like yeah, a year later I get to play with a band that even was you know, like categorically even a, even a bigger band in terms of you know the the uh, what's it called the the chronology or like the history of uh, of hardcore music. So like that was that was insane. It was nuts. Um, and then uh, and then again, yeah, just like how it happened, it, it happened over the course of a couple months. I went to a studio. I just played along to the records. Um, I was going to actually practice just me and Purcell uh, right before the tour started and my two songs in his guitar crapped out. We had to go to 33 <laughs> guitars. So he's there. I'm trying to put again, just playing the records in a studio and then we fly out and boom, first show. Right. Um, everybody, over the, you know, in South America, they love American music. Number one, they love heavy music. Number two, yeah. and they love New York hardcore. Number three. I mean, it was it was pretty wild, like how, how those shows went out. Um, the one one funny uh, kind of gross but like crazy story was that I guess uh, Purcell and I I mean we could talk about a million things but one thing that stands out the story I tell often is that uh, P, uh, Purcell and I I call him P were um, we got some kind of bug I think we it drank some of the local water you know obviously our immune systems weren't uh, weren't accustomed to it so I think we both got some parasite or some bug so I think I want to say it was in maybe Peru but what or it might have been in santiago whatever it was by the time we got to brazil which was the last stop we were playing in sao paulo uh we were both like super super sick throwing up bathroom both ends you know like no good and like crazy headache but we have to play the show there's like a thousand kids at the club i forget the name of the club you can still find videos of it if you look up youth of today sao paulo um from like 2000 2010 2011 um but the bottom line is we just suck it up and we say, okay, we didn't fly all the way here to, you know, to bail on a thousand kids that came out to the show. And uh, so we're playing and, you know, we make it through the set, have a great time. People go, go absolutely wild. And if, if you, there's a couple of videos where you can see that it's kind of off, like a stage, right. And you can, it's looking this way and you can see me behind the drums and you, this is what you see a couple of times. Cause I'm on stage uh, in between songs. A couple of times I had to run, use the bathroom. The, the, uh, the backstage door was kind of like right off behind my right but I had a bucket next to me that I was throwing up in while I was playing because I was so sick, but there was no way I wasn't playing. And I'd play that, got, 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 like that kind of punk beat so many times I could do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> so there's some videos you can find on YouTube where you see me kind of like this, and then you see this. Because it's me throwing up like like into the bucket next next to my drums while I'm playing because I, you know, I, I wasn't going to throw up on the stage. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a wild time. I mean, wow. it was totally worth it. You know, like, yeah. the whole, you know, the memory is crazy. I felt like hor I felt horrible then, but, um, <laughs> but it was fun. It was crazy and, and I'll never forget it. So if you, if you look up any of that stuff on YouTube, you'll know why I keep looking at the ground. It's cause I'm actually vomiting into a bucket. But. Oh man, that's actually, that's, that, that's pretty death metal actually. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if that's not grind, if that's not death yeah. metal, I don't know what it is. You know? Yeah. You, you earned your spot on the show. No. Um, <laughs> well, and then like, I guess shortly after that, like, I don't know when Vinny and the Hooligans really starts, but your first record is Brooklyn Bound in October 2012. So relatively yep. within that time frame, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, you know, I was always kind of like the punk, the rock and roll kid that, that you know, was also straight edge, like a straight edge hardcore kid. I love doing both. You know, the music I write 
there's always been more melodic, more bouncing souls, Ramones, Cox Bar sounding. But uh, but as a drummer, I love playing like heavy, fast, you know, more technical stuff. So um, so I'd always had these songs kind of on the side. I'd written some stuff in my mid twenties. Um, the first you know song, first Vinny and the Hooligan song, I could say I wrote when I was sixteen about like my girlfriend at the time. Um, but uh, it's called Gone Tonight. But but yeah, I, I decided to kind of demo. You know, GarageBand had gotten a lot better by that point, like you know, 2010, 2011. So, um, so I had put together basically a demo. I demoed the songs, uh, played all the stuff myself. I played the drums, recorded them. Uh, you know, the guitars, basically, you know, uh, uh, electronic guitars, like in the, in the program, uh, recruited a bunch of my friends to sing up the backups. And, uh, and then I said, like, you know, it's, look, this is just kind of a side project. I'll play some live shows. Uh, and I actually had Tim from Bold. He was my first bassist. I had Brian Wallace, who was a singer of Thirsty, he was, he played second guitar. He can wail. He okay. Can wail. Uh, so he played lead guitar, and then a buddy of mine who I uh, who I worked with was he was actually the original drummer for that ska band Against All Authority. He played drums in that first show, and uh, yeah, so I played you know a couple shows, but it was very like you know there wasn't any real plan for it. It was just like All right, I'll do a show here, do a show there. So it wasn't really active. I want to say honestly, for the, until maybe 2015. I tried making some stuff happen in 2016, and then that's when uh, that's when I got Vinny, uh, Vinny Value, you know, R.I.P. Rest in rest in peace, mm -hmm. uh, Vinny Value from Kill Your Idols. I, I had met him years before, and you know, knew him from the scene and everything. And I just shot him a text, asked him if he wants to play drums. So I got him on drums. Eventually, I got Loveridge back on bass, and then uh, and then Wallace uh, kept playing guitar. So the um, that next thing that we put out that we recorded with our buddy Jerry Farley um, from from Bay Ridge uh, from Dyker Heights. He recorded that uh, that EP or that L yeah that EP in um, in 2016. It was like the next one, uh, Late Nights. Yeah, and then uh, and then also the follow up to that, which was the long the the full length. Um, Don't give up. Yeah, uh, don't give up, and all of this stuff available um, where people can stream music. I I I, yep. I, I do Bandcamp, but um on all those things and. Uh, you mentioned um, Vinny Value, respectfully, uh, you know, rest in peace. Um, we know that your most recent uh, EP um, is dedicated not only to him, I, I wrote it down, uh, but also, is it Ricky Sofo? Yep, Ricky Sofo. My, um, yeah, B is like, he was, he was like my brother, first thing I had to a brother. I grew up, um, he was my best friend since I'm a little kid. Uh, it's like, you know, our parents were best friends, uh, and then they had like kids at the same time. So me and him were best friends. My middle sister had like they, his younger sister was the same age, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, great kid, really talented. You know, he had his, he had his ups and downs. He had, uh, he had struggles with, uh, substances and this and that. And, um, he, uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a complicated story, Ricky, but yeah, but he passed, uh, July, uh, June 29th, a few days after my birthday. Uh, June 29th, uh, two years ago. Uh, like, yeah, right, you know, I guess a few months into the pandemic. So, um, and it's funny because Winter, the song Winter that was on the record before, I wrote for him when he was living with me in, in uh, Bensonhurst because, you know, he was having, you know, one of those tough times. He moved in with me. He was working kind of in the neighborhood and uh, we were able to kind of like, you know, bond and, you know, help him through. And I, I wrote that song to kind of remind him like, hey, you know, stuff's tough. It's tough out there, but, you know, you know, don't don't lose hope. I'm your buddy, you know, I'm, I'm always here for you, you know, the, the chorus is, uh, stand by me, I'll stand by you. Um, so it's, it's just crazy. I, you know, I wrote that song for him and, um, you know, yeah, yeah, he, you know, he had a, he had a tough time dealing with stuff. So yeah, he passed a couple of years ago. Um, um, but 
but yeah, there's a couple of songs like Road Trip references him uh, in on the new record. Um, you never too far away, and and a lot a lot of like the kind of you know um, a lot of the lyrical references and you know some of the theme of those those songs is uh, is singing about him. So yeah um I, I you know we appreciate you sharing all that uh, uh with us and we're sorry to hear that um cool. you know res- respectfully i ask and i and i asked that just to get a little insight because i read that about this new album and um we also know you know like you said uh we also lost vinnie value in 2020 um you have since uh recruited uh, it's funny you called him Nolte before, and I didn't even recognize the name because I know him as Vaughn. Oh, yeah. I call him Vaughn for like twenty we years. Say that. He's, he's got every, yeah, he's got so many. Either call him Vaughn, yeah. It's Nolte. Or some people, sometimes people say Chris. I'm like who? I'm like oh Vaughn or Nolte. Yeah, yeah, that's how I know him. Yeah, fair, yeah, fair enough. And he's uh, kind of like Long Island punk and hardcore alumni himself. I was really, I, I didn't even realize he was with you until I looked that up and saw that. Um, really, really cool. And you know, he's uh, he's also with um. Uh, well, he he used to be in Capital, right? With uh, he was in Capital, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Capital, with, and that was a big, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, like a big, uh, big, you know, band out, uh, you know, representing Long uh, Long Island. But but yeah, I met him, you know, years ago. Same thing. I have probably the same uh, same parties that I have photos with you at. I'm, I have like photos <laughs> with him as well from like you know, 2005, 2006. Oh, but man. it's funny because we were always these kind of you know we were drummers in uh, let's say adjacent kind of punk or hardcore bands. And always at all at all the same shows together, you know, talking about drums. And for years, I had thought like, oh, one day I want to play with Nolte. One day I want to play with Nolte, like to get him in. And uh, my bassist Dave, uh, who's in another great band from Long Island called Playing Dead, um, that that's he, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So you know, uh, Thirsty had played played with Playing Dead uh, in Long Island a bunch, and that's how I met um, you know that's how I met Dave. And Dave obviously knows knows Vaughn also because they play in I think Cover Me Bad. That's like the, um, that's the, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Yeah. Like the cover band that they do <laughs> yeah. uh, and whatever from the scene. So when for the, for, so Vinny had, Vinny started doing Kill Your Idols again, right before we recorded, uh, the hooligans, uh, full length, don't give up. So, um, and, and Loveridge, I think had gotten busy with school. So both of them like left the band all, all on good terms. It was just kind of like, it, I mean, it was you know difficult logistically but all in good terms but they left the band basically right before we recorded so i had to go and learn all those songs so on don't give up i played the drums i played rhythm guitar and i did all the vocals and uh and that's like part of where i came with like that that you know that recording like don't give up even like in an obstacles whatever mm-hmm. but um but after that we you know uh jerry our buddy jerry who recorded it filled in on drums most of the time but we still were in need of like a full-time drummer and it was uh i think Nolte was still busy with the remnants. He played with that band, the remnants for a long time. And uh, it was Dave that once the remnants decided they weren't going to be touring anymore and really, really writing new music. Dave was like, don't worry, don't worry. I got, I got it. I'm going to talk to Nolte. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'll nudge him in. I'll, I'll, I'll get him for us. And that was, yeah, that was a couple of years ago. And like basically right before the pandemic hit and then we got hit with the pandemic. But, uh, but yeah, Vaughn's been with us for a couple of years. And then also our friend, Brian, which is another kind of offshoot of this. All right, man. A different Brian, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you you mentioned playing dead, right? Um, yeah, that's the ba- yeah. Sam Hoyos, uh, I I'm Sam, acquainted my with man. him. Yeah, I I haven't seen him in many years, man. I got I, I know he's he's been doing his own podcast for quite some time. I I would love to get him on the show and and uh, catch up with him. And um, yeah, they've been doing a lot too. Playing dead. I mean, they're a great band. Uh, really, you know, they've they've had a, they had a couple. 
had a handful of really big shows in the last uh, couple of years too and and he is a machine in terms of writing music like they put out new material all the time like it's it's super 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 inspiring to me and uh but yeah i was actually just with him last week at uh my at the lead guitarist for hooligans now so we used to have brian wallace brian plays another band now and now brian lopez is our lead guitarist now and he had his bachelor party last week so it was like me sam dave vaughn uh and and actually stooley who plays uh drums in urban waste uh all of us hanging out uh having dinner and stuff and celebrating um uh, the, the hooligans guitarist but um but yeah sam is uh he's a he's another wonderful human being another wonderful musician <laughs> it's a small world man yeah especially the older you get it is you know? yeah 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 the, all the, the ones that of us that are left that are still doing it we, we hold tight to each other you know? yeah well you know Vaughn's a life for himself you know I mean that Absolutely. and that's kind of like you know this um I mentioned I had Mike from Iron Sheik on a while ago and I got you here tonight and the listeners know this is typically a death metal podcast but it's also we try to reach out and talk to different people and I, I feel like um like lifers it, whatever if, whether it's punk or metal or whatever you're into man once you get to a certain age and you independent make, music yeah you, you, prior, music. you, you prioritize music you know especially with com, you know the commercial commercialism of it being low priority to you you know, people there's a mutual respect i guess you know is what i'm trying to say 100 percent, 100 percent. so so um and that's what we've been getting at and you know Vinny, you've been very generous with your time i don't want to take up yeah, uh, your whole night as great as it's been catching up with you and i feel like we've got to a point here where we covered a lot of your history uh we've promoted Vinny and the hooligans and i want to mention too for uh listeners in the area who might want to check this out live october 9th arlene's grocery uh you're going to be at yep. right yeah, and what's cool about that show actually is that the other band that's playing is actually uh, my cousin Ava, who is uh, she's she's much younger. She's in her early twenties. Phenomenal musician. Actually, came up in the um, like the school of rock. Remember how that became like a thing when she was young? She got into that. Okay. Plays guitar, plays keyboards, sings like like you know like Lita Ford. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so it's actually gonna be her band, uh, and then or whatever act she's with now, and then Benny the Hooligans. So just two bands, October 9th. Right in the city, it'll be, it'll be super fun. So you get to see the whole pans of family performing. Beautiful, and you just segued me perfectly into like one of my last questions. I, I just for Tom Ander, he told me to ask you about your birthday parties. Oh, <laughs> I you know I got I now I got I got to pry a little bit. How, how crazy are these things? What goes on? So so we used to have a thing called. It was first called. You know I, I loved Indecision and Most Precious Blood. So if first they were called Vinny's Most Precious Birthday Barbecue. And then that eventually got turned into the Panza Ganza, like Panza Stratganza. Yeah. <laughs> and it started when I when I turned 25. Um, I thought it'd be uh, Bouncing Souls were playing on my Bouncing Souls, Bad Brains, and like Lucero were playing on my birthday out in uh, in Asbury Park, not far from where my parents lived. So I was like, all right, let's do this kind of jokey. You know, I'm turning 25, but we'll have like a really kind of juvenile party. So I went to like toys r us and i got like a blow up like swimming pool and i brought in my parents i put the hose in it i got a bunch of like um like water guns and a slip and slide and uh and like a tennis like a not a tennis like a volleyball net and i was like all right everybody you know whoever wants to come to the show we'll go to the, the punk show we'll go to, to asbury park we'll go there and then after go back to my parents backyard and we'll go in the the, the swimming pool we'll go on the slip and slide you know whatever we'll just have this great time and and there was maybe 20 of us the first time it was super super fun super juvenile just ridiculous uh and it got so good that everyone was like well you got to do this again next year so we did it every year oh i turned 25 26 27 28 29 and on my 30th birthday and we did it every summer and, and every year it got a little bit bigger. We just invited more people, more friends. Like it was basically an open invitation. I want to say the biggest one we had 
maybe my 29th or my 30th birthday, there was maybe throughout the day, 100, 115 people came through. Uh, and at that wow. point, my parents had installed this, like my mom had been saving literally for like 30 years, 25 years or something for a pool, but they put this big in-ground pool in the backyard. So, um, so yeah, it was just like this crazy party. We played, we played uh, live, like, or maybe like in a half acoustic, uh, what's called thirsty set. We had like music playing. I, I, I have a very specific memory of Tom at one point. I think I had like Usher or like Biggie playing <laughs> on like one of the speakers and there's Tom in the pool with like like a champagne glass like this, you know, just kind of like living his life. And dude, it was a scene. And we would have these crazy parties where like tons of people would come, people would become friends. Like I had my group of friends from Jersey, meet my group of friends from Brooklyn, meet my group of friends from like the job I was working at the time. So everybody would kind of just come into this one place, all connected by the scene or by me and my family. You know, my parents would like, you know, be hanging out with everybody, making pizzas, drinking, family, friends. I mean the whole nine. It was it was wild. We would we would hang out. You know, the first couple of years we were still pretty young, and you know, people would sleep over, and like everybody was hooking up in the basement. I mean, it was nuts. It was it was crazy. It, it, it honestly it was a bit of an extension of those eighty twenty parties, but just like the yeah. like the summer the summer version of it. You know, so uh, yeah, those, those pans and games were really really something else. And uh, I thought about doing one for forty, but I, I wanted to keep it. You know, because now everybody's got kids, so it can still be fun, but it's not the same kind of like kind of dirty wildness it was like back in the day <laughs> but um but yeah those those were great parties and yeah and tom was at every one of them they were they were a lot of fun beautiful man yeah dude wow that's that sounds like a great time man your, f- your family sounds like good, good people man it sounds awesome oh yeah they, they love a good time they love they love you know they love hosting they love you know feeding people and dancing i'm, I'm italian and puerto rican so uh so there's a lot of there's a lot of good food culture there's a lot of good party culture and uh, and you know they're, they're always happy and kind of invite everybody into that. So uh, yeah, those they were they were a lot of good times. Awesome, yeah. I was I definitely was at a few eighty twenty parties. I missed I missed the bird there's the birthday parties, but eighty, 80 twenty I, I have some fond memories of. Um, and I, I there was some mem- some sometimes I don't remember there. It was some blurry memories. I'm, yeah, I, I mean that's that's typically how it went, man. Yeah, it was, I was it was I wasn't wild. I wasn't yeah. straight edge, so unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's all good. It teach their own. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm busting balls. But um, Vinny, like I said, you've been generous with your time. I don't want to take up your whole night. It's been great catching up and getting the stories from you. Um, like I said, October 9th, Arlene's Grocery. Uh, the um, latest album is Never Too Far Away, or I guess EP, we should say, uh, from 2021 yeah. by Vinny and the Hooligans. Mm-hmm. And um, right before we close out, we'll give you the opportunity to plug or promote anything else I might have neglected to mention. But the last question I ask every guest is if you could please recommend for me and the listeners one older and one newer release by any artist you like, metal, punk, hardcore, or otherwise, a demo, an album, anything, something from way back in the day, a few years ago, or something something from just recently just old and new whatever you like oh wow wow um let me say new first so i'm gonna i'm gonna plug my buddy uh brian since he's a uh, uh, brian wallace he's thirsty and bidding the hooligans alumni really really great dude uh the guy that i said he came from memphis uh he's a you know new york city uh new york city local for a long time now but he plays in a band called perfect world which I think is, you know, sonically maybe even a little bit more uh, the type of, you know, it's, I mean, it's hardcore, but it's heavy hardcore. And I forget the name of the, the last, the demo or like the, the record they put out recently, but it's called Perfect World. Really, really good, um, really heavy. And I know Brian writes uh, a lot, if not the majority of that music, you know, it just shows to his, his talent as a guitar player. Uh, but yeah, you know, very kind of new uh, New York hardcore. Um, so check out Perfect World. As far as old stuff, 
um man there's some there's some good stuff I, you know what? i don't know if i could say a specific record but i'll i'll share a favorite um uh, i'll favorite jazz standard just to give something a little bit different um so uh bill evans i mean you know very well known uh, uh piano player I remember i was a piano player first that was my first instrument but um his rendition of autumn leaves i think it's very timely his rendition of autumn leaves uh is it uh, probably my you know I mean, I think it's the best. There's also none, another one by um, by uh, Chet Baker that I think is really good. But my favorite rendition of the jazz standard "Autumn Leaves" is by Bill Evans. Um, just beautiful piano work. And if you you know if you're from New York City, if you you walk through New York City in the fall when the leaves start coming down, it's a little bit cool. It's like hoodie weather, and the sun starts to kind of come low in the uh, you know in the sky earlier in the day. There's it's I think it's like the perfect. One, one of that and maybe more better blues um by uh Wynton Marsalis but um Autumn Leaves is a great like October in New York you know New York song as the wheat leaves are turning and you know everything's really beautiful maybe walking through West Village I'm trying to paint a picture for you but like if you're yeah. in New York at that time put on fight get Autumn Leaves by Bill Evans and it's uh it's an old track and it's uh it's really it's something special it's one of my favorites um okay as far as my stuff you know vinnie and the hooligans you can look us up online again so there's vinnie and the hooligans there's a vinnie with an ie vinnie and the hooligans they're a california band same name but this instead of vinnie with a y which is my band okay it's vinnie spelled with an ie very different sound um a lot of mustaches and accordions which is cool just not what we are so when you look up vinnie and the hooligans make sure it's vinnie with a y vinnie and the hooligans but it's vinnie and the hooligans.com a little website i just put up Find us on uh, Instagram, on uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, all that. We uh, Our last record was recorded with the Pete from the Bouncing Souls. That was that fourth song. We did that uh, last year. And uh, we're looking to hopefully record, I think, in January of 2023. So look out for new music by spring or summer. And, uh, you know, just more, more melodic rock and roll about growing up and, you know, keeping the faith. Yeah, old school style, man. Um, and about girls and about love. <laughs> That's what it's. It's, <laughs> it's about there, love. A lot, of, a lot of songs about love. Yeah. There's no. I I joke, but there's a lot of very kind of classic rock and roll nostalgic uh roots things going on um from, from like a different time a different era it sounds like you're trying to capture maybe some of that old uh like doo-wop era and some of that you know like 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 you know you just mentioned bill evans and autumn leaves i think there's a lot of nostalgia uh in, yeah you, in, no, in you nailed music. it you nailed it yeah. i grew up on i, I neither of my parents were you know they were immigrants uh they were um they were you know working class like they just they didn't get a they didn't have the lifestyles where they could really get into music and like collect records or go to shows or something or go to, you know, involve themselves in music culture outside of like their, let's say, ethnic music culture when they were kids. So, uh, but what, what thing they did really uh, remember a lot of and come back to, and I think it's one of the ways my dad said he learned English uh, was my dad's the Italian one was learning like 50s rock and roll songs. Mm. So I grew up knowing a lot of like 50s rock and roll and doo-wop. And, uh, and on that drive that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, when we would go back to, you know, from Jersey to, uh, to Brooklyn, you know, over the Verrazano Bridge, we had gotten like a couple cassettes at like a gas station that was all like 50s rock and roll, you know, doo-wop hits. It was Elvis, you know, uh, Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, um, uh, you know, like the Dominoes, like, you know, uh, you know, Chubby Checker, like all those, you know, tons of classics from like, I think there was one tape was like from 1954 to 1958. And then another one was like from like 59 to 64. And it was like, you know, all the top hits from that time. So I had that ingrained in me at like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And, and a lot of what I do now is like 
really writing those types of songs but with like a punk rock sensibility and like a hardcore drumming attitude you know what i mean so uh so you hit it right on the head i love that old doo-wop stuff it's still the majority of what i listen to when it's not punk and hardcore and uh yeah I'm, I'm, i'm glad you hear that in the music Excellent, man. Wow. You gave a lot of context to styles of music that aren't my comfort zone, not just now, but throughout the interview. I appreciate it, Vinny. That's great, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure, man. Look, I, you know, I've loved everything you guys, even even though it's not my, like, typically what I go to, there's some about the music that you've uh, done between Grace Guys Fallen and, and Buckshot. That, remember, I, 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 uh, I illustrated that one box, uh, uh, armless, um, I illustrated that one Buckshot LP. Anchors the, of the Armless um, Gods? Answer the almost guard. So yeah, so remember that was me that did that that cover for you guys. Yeah. So uh yeah, so yeah, I love I love everything. Or was it or was it Elder's Rasp? Was it was No, it wasn't Elder's Rasp. Okay. Elder's Rasp I think came after. You know, I did Anchors okay. the Armless Guy with the big face on the front. Yeah, right? yeah and the guys yeah. walking through the uh, through the water. Yes, yes, so, yes, uh, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair, so, fair um, enough, fair enough. You, yeah. Straight edge guy remembers better than Will. Big shock. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Vinny, you've been great, man. I encourage the listeners to check out all the stuff we just talked about. Uh, and I'll be in touch, brother. Great talking to you. Yeah, please do. Great talking to you. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. Okay, this is Big Will. We're back, and I'm here with my co-host, Sam Sherrick. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. Uh, hanging out. Uh, I, I'm ready to talk some uh, some records if, if you're down. Absolutely, man. Um, we got some shows coming up that we want to uh, get into a little bit later. We're going to tell you about some stuff that we're doing with our band Exsanguinated uh, and some of Sam's other bands. But before all that... Um, we, we really appreciate, first of all, big shout out to Vinny Panza, uh, tonight's guest. Um, we explored a lot of different territory with him, uh, in the music scene and beyond. And right now we're going to steer it all on home for the, for our loyal heavy hole listeners, right back into where you're comfortable in the basement, like a creep listening to extreme underground metal. I asked my friend Sam to bring along some of his creepiest cuts. What do you got for me? Uh, well, I guess, uh, if we want to go the creepy route, I'm going to, start with uh my new recommendation and uh i i think anyone that you know follows uh you know current death metal would probably be familiar with this record i was honestly surprised uh that no one has brought this in yet so i i got uh forever glade by worm yes uh, this is an awesome album i i believe it has come up in conversation once or twice um and i you know i know when the album first dropped they were big on social media it's just one of those things where i can't link up with everybody at once but yeah really awesome album and i kind of glazed over it you know once or twice when it came out but it was in a flood of other things and this forced me to really sit down and listen to it and kind of hear it with new ears today uh i'd love to give my take on it but maybe you want you want to give uh what what inspired you to recommend this this in the first place and take the first round here I mean, th- this is just like kind of my favorite, like strain of, of death metal. Is just like you know, what, when it sits right on that edge of uh, doomy death metal, but it, it brings in the kind of like grim and atmospheric aspects of funeral doom. 
but it's all kind of still rooted in brutality. It's, it's not like, like, I think there's like a strain of funeral doom that kind of like ventures off into the, you know, ambient side of things, which is cool. Like, like bands like, uh, skepticism and stuff I, yeah. I do enjoy, but, uh, I, I like how it, you know, s- records like this can venture into the, the psychedelic, but it's all still rooted in uh, old school death metal. But the interesting thing about this band is that they actually started as like a raw black metal project. Like their demos are black metal. Uh, their, I think their first full length is a black metal style record too. And then uh, in 2019, they dropped gloom lord and that was kind of when they started uh exploring this death funeral doom sound and uh i i, I just think I, I think forever glade is just like the the perfect like modern rendition of uh you know this disembowelment mm-hmm. winter ceremonium just like like that that cryptic funeral death metal sound and uh and I think one thing that kind of sets it apart too is that it has like really cool like shredding guitar solos that I would say are more reminiscent of like Chuck Schuldner or even like Dimebag more so than any uh, like doomy death metal uh, guitar player. So it's kind of like a cool little mashup of styles while being very true to the roots of the sound that they're going for. Absolutely, man. Uh, there's not really much that I could add to that. I just agree with everything you said. Um, it's it's got that sound of like uh, you know I I you know, I enjoy disembowelment. I enjoy like Paradise Lost's old material, and we've talked before on the podcast all about how there's a lot of these European bands that kind of you know are on the border of like goth music and doom metal, and throughout their careers they explore different territories. But most of those bands have like a demo or a first EP or album somewhere that is more in this neighborhood of things, where it's like that slow, doomy, but guttural vocals, death metal. Something that else that, that sprang to mind, just another frame of reference. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Magus or Magus, the... Oh, uh, that's a pre-Absu band? You got it, yeah. There's yeah. Parts of this just reminded me of that, because it has that really down-tuned guttural, almost like if you slowed down a brutal death metal band and added uh, some like slightly symphonic elements. Um, yeah, re- really, yeah, really interesting stuff. Uh, I, I gotta, you know, I say hats off. I think one time I actually, you know, I have a, I have big lists that I update and and do you know for for guests and potential people to reach out to. And at the time, I saw that they were doing interviews with other platforms. I think it's one person, and he did an interview with Ken's Death Metal Crypt and some other platforms. So I said, let me. Let me put the brakes and maybe wait for wait for them to have some other news to put out there, man. So maybe we'll have to reach out to Worm and to the individual behind that project eventually. Yeah, I, I believe his uh, his moniker is Phantom Slaughter. That mm-hmm. that that's what he goes by. And uh, I, I I think uh, Phil Two Guys involved in that project now. I think he's on board as their lead guitar player, and they have a release slated for I want to say October. Yeah, like the end of October, like a, a little EP. Huh. I, I I think it's like some B sides from uh, the Forever Glade sessions with uh, I, I guess Phil's leads on it. I but it's to my understanding that they're going to be heading in a more black metal direction again because uh, I I did check out all all these uh like you know the Ken's Death Metal Crypt interview you're referencing and uh one other one I believe. Okay, Sam doing the research. I like that heavy hole in the house. 
Yeah, um, got to keep the ear to the ground. You, you you know how it is. That's that's why that's why I bring you in, man. I can't yeah. I can't always keep up with everything. You're in more bands than me. Um, uh, all right, so we'll let that roll for the listeners a little bit. Worm Forever Glade. You probably heard about it, but if you didn't, uh, it's on twenty bucks spin, I believe. Yep. Yeah, they are a twenty bucks spin band. So yeah, they, they they've definitely been getting a lot of. Uh, I, it, it seems like from where I'm sitting, they get a lot of attention on social media and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I just found it surprising that someone hasn't recommended this record so i was like you know what i'll uh i'll stake my claim i'll uh make my recommendation Right, that was uh, Worm Forever Glade, and now we're gonna bring it all right back full circle. Uh, we had like one foot in the hardcore scene before talking to my buddy, my buddy Vinny Panza. Big shout to him. Uh, we urge you to check out all of the bands and music that we talked about with him. And speaking of one foot in the hardcore scene, now Sim, you brought something very interesting uh, to my attention to speak about on the podcast. Um, and I'm just going to say it's one band that I think it's safe to say had one foot in uh, metal and one foot in hardcore in kind of a groundbreaking uh, and, and early on the scene way. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'll just go ahead and say it. I have yeah. uh, Rain in the Endless Fall by uh, Prayer for Cleansing. And uh, it, it's it's a really interesting band. And yeah, like you said, it's groundbreaking. I, I think it's kind of taken for granted that all these... Uh, american uh metalcore new wave of heavy metal like like what whatever the the tag is for all those like early 2000s bands that you know they kind of aped like the the swedish gothenburg sound but uh yeah this record came out in uh 1999 so it was kind of early to all that uh if you listen it's you know it's a very raw uh the the vocals i would say are like very rooted in black metal more so than like any kind of uh you know more straightforward like metalcore style vocals and uh there's some cool like melodic uh style singing on here uh but like it like it's definitely a a landmark metalcore release but like when you listen to it it kind of just plays like a like a swedish like black metal record with breakdowns yeah (laughs) like like almost like a a mid-era like Marduk or like Lord Belial record with uh you know br- breakdowns to get people in, in the dive bar moving you know yeah but, uh, yeah it it's really interesting to me to go back and listen to this because there's so many kind of watered down dumbed down versions of this over the years that you forget how this was really interesting and groundbreaking in a way metal and hardcore were very separate entities in the late 90s death metal and black metal were not really cool in the hardcore scene for the most part from what i could tell or what i remember and there these guys were kind of like you know part of a younger generation in in hardcore that was like to me the next logical conclusion if you grew up listening to bands like hate breed earth crisis buried alive 
eventually you're going to start adding harmonies in there and it's going to sound more and more like Slayer. And then eventually these kids are going to find out about At The Gates and other bands like that. So it was like, it, 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 it doesn't make sense, but it does if you really think about it, man. And these guys, I think, were just way ahead of the curve on that. And... I don't. I, I couldn't tell you specifically which members, but these are guys that mostly are known for going on to be in between the berry to me, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. So, uh, I, I believe it's both guitar players on this record. Right. Uh, right. Went on to start between the berry to me. Uh, or no, I, I. So I think Paul who, Wagner, who, and I'm not too familiar with between the berry to me, and like you know who does the writing and stuff. But I, I know Paul Wagner is like a, he's like a primary member of between the Baron and me. He's a guitar player. He was uh, the guitar player on this record too. And then I think the singer of um, between the Baron and me was also a guitar player for this band at one point. Okay. Yeah. I knew there was a, a connection and that's just to give you like some of the, an idea of some of the, the caliber and the musical pedigree going on in this band. This is what these guys were doing before, like, love them or hate them, one of the most regarded and successful bands that ever came out of extreme metal and kind of transcended that and turned into something else um, between the Barry to me. This is kind of where some of that, you know, some of that shoots off from, man. And, and they were ahead of the curve on this, too, in terms of taking like you said, elements of black metal, well-informed on black metal and doom metal and death metal and, and Swedish-style death metal and taking all of that within the context, like you said, of, of like being able to be a hardcore band that played VFW shows. and You know, it, there's just something about it that caught. And I remember at the time, friends of mine, Tom, shout to Tom Ander, um, an old band he was in called Craig, I believe, toured with either these guys. <laughs> that, that name's amazing. <laughs> it was the, the, Shout out Tom. Yeah, there's a story. We'll get Tom on here eventually, and he'll break it all down. But he either toured with with Prayer for Cleansing, or I think it might have been Between the Buried and Me when they first started out. But either way, um, he had put me on. Some of my friends listened to Prayer for Cleansing years ago. And to me, I was already listening to, like, Dismember and Intestine Ballism. And so to me, you know, it wasn't for me necessarily. I could hear the fact that they were intentionally... Um, having this raw drums, drum kit sound. The snare drum is very raw. It sounds like a hardcore band at a VFW hall playing this type of stuff. It's a little loose. I'm not saying it's sloppy, but it's not necessarily as refined and airtight as, say, Peter Tagtrin, uh, you know, would 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 record it over in Sweden for an actual Swedish death metal band. You know what right. I mean? Like this is or or, or the American bands that that kind of took influence from this as well there you go because then it kind of comes full circle yeah so the nowadays listening back and like reviewing this today i i really i enjoyed that element of it too that looseness because it sounded very authentic and it gives you a chance to appreciate the musicianship that they were the guitar harmonies the double guitar stuff they were doing um, absolutely it wasn't it produced in an airtight robotic studio you know what i mean so it's 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 very interesting that they tried to adapt this to the kind of diy hardcore scene in, in the united states yeah, totally. And then uh, uh, another fun fact, uh, Trevor Sternad, rest in peace, he he once told me that, like, all the early Black Dahlia stuff, like, Unhallowed and, like, the, like, What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse demo and, like, Cold-Blooded Epitaph, like, all they were trying to do is just sound like this record. Interesting. That's that's another thing to go back and listen to. Um, de- Definitely cool. Rest in peace to Trevor, man. You know, he had such a, a, a wealth of knowledge about music. 
I feel like as much obscure stuff as we try to bring up on here, he'd probably just be like, oh, yeah. You know, he'd, he'd probably know right off the top, man. So, yeah, yeah. Just take us right to school. Yeah. So so there you go. And you know what's funny, too? We wrapped it all the way back up to Remember I was talking about drinking my nice tea, listening to my Kansas records, prog rock. And here we are talking about Between the Barry to me, man. We got to do some sort of progressive metal, progressive rock episode in the future. Um, I mean, yeah, I, you, you brought up the idea of bringing Keith on here. We could do a, a little rush deep dive but they, they have so many records that you know I, I don't even you would have to do it by era of the band you wouldn't just be able to do their uh discography as a whole unless you want to like have a seven hour episode or something uh if there's anyone who could talk for seven hours about rush <laughs> it's, it's my boy Keith. by the way epic um epilogue to your story about the corn concert keith was planning on going uh, he said he would have gone if it was a Saturday night, not a Sunday night. So, oh we'll yeah, him, yeah, work the next day. Yeah, we'll give I him credit. It. We'll give him credit. Big shout out to Keith Harrison, all the Afterbirth guys, uh, by the way, and all of the Reeking Aura guys. We told you about our, our fun time Amityville Music Hall, but uh, our other band, um, not Reeking Aura, but another band with me on vocals and Sam on drums, uh, Long Island's Exsanguinated. Shout out to Kyle and Andy and Mark, our bandmates. Yep. Uh, we want, we're going to take shameless advantage of the fact that I, do, I host this podcast and I'm in the band right now. Sam, you want to break them off of some of these upcoming shows we got? Well, uh, so yes, yeah, since the last time we were on here, uh, there's a little uh, two-day uh, death metal festivity going down at the Amityville Music Hall, and uh, I, the the second day has got exanguinated. So I guess I'll just start with the first day. Yeah, got October thirteenth, yeah. uh, stabbed and bal erosion, little double header for me. Uh, disease, uh, gore grind band from Seattle, and uh, hospital bombers first show. <laughs> new, new up and coming Long Island death metal band. That's uh yeah, uh, Amityville Music Hall, October thirteenth, seven p.m. Okay, and then the day after that, I I feel like that is that's a pre-show for this that you're about to see. Yeah, I feel like this is almost absolutely. this this is this is like fest adjacent. This two day event. I don't know if it's a fest, but it's an event. I, I yeah, I, I I think the only thing preventing it from being a fest is like the nature of how. AMH is laid out. Yeah, it, it's you know what I mean. Like, if, if you're gonna have this many bands on at Amityville Music Hall, just the, the the way it's laid out, it's a show with six bands. It's not a fest, but it is definitely fest adjacent. Uh, you got Long Island Zone suffocation and internal bleeding, uh, Rochester, New York's uh, undeath, Ohio's Sangusugabog, Exsanguinated, and Hierarchy. Uh, kicking the show off so wow got four long island bands an upstate new york band and an ohio band that's and that's on october 14th friday night that's a mouthful and if i were you on long island or new york or if you want to travel from out of state that's one to travel for i'd get your tickets soon that's going to be bananas Uh, people are going to be packed in like sardines uh suffocation ib on long island 
right off the bat. You, you're dealing with it's going to be madness. It's going to be like heavy hitters. Yeah. yeah. Then they throw in Sanguasugabog and Undeath for all the young people. It's um, Sanguasugabog's first time playing Long Island too. So shout to them so for coming out to the island. Deal. Shout to them for Definitely. coming out to the island. Um, because they hit this Brooklyn. is a one off. They're not even on tour. They're just they're just popping out. They're just popping out to they're play with IB and stuff. That, they're they're doing it right. They're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. We're the original Island Boys. All right. Um, uh, you know, then you throw Exsanguinate and Hierarchy. You got the local opener. I love it, man. Everybody's Long Island in the house. It's beautiful. We're just welcoming Undeath and Sanguisugabob to Long Island. It's it's gonna be a crazy experience, though, man. Because I know it's gonna be packed out. Uh, last year, Afterbirth and Stabbed. Afterbirth and Stabbed. Yeah. That, yeah, so that it, was nuts. It, it, it's going to be probably just as packed, if not. I mean, I know for a fact that show is sold out. Yeah, but yeah. also like there's just more bands. Like not like forget the people coming to the show. Like, <laughs> just, like if you just look at the bill, there's just like what way more people t- taking up space. You know, merch tables. You know that I think anyone that's been there, like the the outside area is not big at all. I uh, yeah. I, we with afterbirth it was like we we didn't even we shouldn't have even brought the merch in because there was no room there's not like people couldn't even you would, people just packed in you know what i mean um yeah. but yes yeah, october 13th and 14th amityville music hall if you love death metal and gore grind and all the nasty shit it's going down friday night's kind of like the pre-fests uh saturday night's kind of like the, the not a fest but it's it's a freaks come out at night fest because thursday and thursday. friday actually oh it's thursday and friday i'm so I, sorry I, I to cut you off but. no i apologize sorry to fuck that up um but then we also got something else going on which is a friday saturday sunday affair um we're gonna be in pennsylvania we're gonna be in dc we're gonna be in new jersey um with friends and family it's gonna be great uh sam i don't know how you, you're gonna do this this is gonna be kind of nuts you're doing three sets a night three days in a row right yeah th- this is uh I, I talk a big game with all this uh, double <laughs> and triple duty stuff, but uh, I've only done it, you know, one, maybe two nights in a row. This is, uh, we're, we're going marathon mode. Okay. Well, what about, let me ask, let me like ask you a few things I know about some other drummers. You ever drink the old Pedialyte? Uh, I was like just recently put on to the, those kinds of drinks, like Pedialyte. And then there's like a Gatorade one that's made by them. And then like, Another one with like electro in the name. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I I do find that like I, I can pound those back pretty quickly, and <laughs> I, I think what what that tells me is that I am in need of electrolytes. Got to hydrate. Um, not yeah. not just especially the drummers, but not just the drummers. Um, everybody's especially anybody like me, man. Big guys in the band. Let's and if you're older, hydrate, man. Come on, don't be stupid. Uh, and now let me ask you this too. We just talked to my buddy Vinny Panza. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's obviously on a different wavelength. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, espouses the straight edge vegan lifestyle as he, as he spoke of, um, I love all those bands that, that, that he's, uh, played drums in though, but, uh, I'm definitely not a vegan nor am I a straight edge, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, he, he, you know, as he said, he, you know, it teach his own, he wasn't, he wasn't being, um, uh, busting balls about it, but, uh, you know, he, we did talk about stretching and, you know, he, he talked about martial arts and, uh, uh, doing, doing certain physical activities to get used to playing drums. Do you find, is there like exercises or warm ups or things that you do like that? Uh, j- just like some some light stretching, and uh, I-, I like to do some push ups sometimes. Uh, me, me, <laughs> me and my boy uh, Nick Luisi, we would uh, we we'd like I- I'd always tell him like, hey, drop and give me twenty push ups, because you know we the uh, 
allegedly smoking weed all day like at the show and then like you know but before we'd go on and play like a flame god set you know get get the blood pump and we'll do some push-ups but you know you got to be uh got to be on the on the cush to do some push-ups doing otherwise they're just push-ups doing, but you doing know push-ups. push-ups will suffice if cush isn't your thing all right this is all allegedly consult your doctor consult your doctor for shout, shout to my doctor by the way but you know, talking about all the um the martial arts and the push ups, I sprained my ankle walking, um the other day. True true story. The day after our show, so I you know I'm out there too, trying to get fit. I took a walk and injured myself, uh in a noble fashion. No, I was I walked I was walking up and down all these big hills. It was more like a hike. I'll give myself a little credit. It wasn't just a walk. Um, but I, I've been, I've been on my ass for the last day or two, man. And ankle's going to be okay though, man. Speaking of doctors, consult your doctor. That's rough. Shout out my doctor that doesn't exist. (laughs) I don't have health insurance. Dr. Feel good. Um, (laughs) as they say, well, listen, man, um, speaking to me, I'm, I'm, I'm headed for a heartbreak as they said, as winger used to say, because you know, I'm doing all these fitness activities out here. We're going to be at curry donuts. Uh, in Pennsylvania, September 16th, which is nuts, man. They're going to have me playing a place with donuts. Uh, Northeast Pennsylvania's heaviest band, the Virgos, uh, along with the Long Island Death Metal Invasion, Stabbed, Bowel Erosion, and Exsanguinated. Uh, you can also catch us Saturday, September 17th at The Runaway in D.C., 8.30 p.m., 21 and plus. Sorry, kids. Uh, I like all ages shows, but sometimes you got to stick with what you got. Path to War playing there um it's gonna be the the record release show for the chaos eternal uh uh, recording they got there along with uh, all three of us stabbed bowel erosion exsanguinated sam chugging pedialyte at that point day two absolutely um got out liam from ninth realm he he plays in path to war as well true that yeah path to war opened up for afterbirth and vomit fourth i think i want to say maybe 2018 or 2019 oh that that's an awesome lineup right there at the, the sidebar in baltimore yeah afterbirth and vomit fourth did a little weekend out um uh, you know, but, you know, back back when they would mingle with the with the little people, you know, they're you no know, big shout to them. Uh, I actually saw I saw Nick at the old Walgreens the other day. I was, oh no way! The most Long Island thing happened. I went to Walgreens on my lunch break to get a bottle of water, and there goes Nick. Um, uh, you know, I what what he was getting is his business. Uh, you know, leave him out of that. But yeah, uh, big shout to those guys in Vomit Forth making big moves out there. Maybe we'll get somebody oh, yeah. else from that group out there. But in, in the meantime. Um, the third part of our trilogy out on the road, we're going to be, it's almost like a homecoming because we're playing September the 18th, 8 p.m. at Jimmy's, uh, in Kearney, New Jersey. It's a gutter Christ production. Um, our homies Thetis, we've had them on the show. Shout out to Terrell. He's also in Reeking Aura with us. Uh, we love all those guys. Um, along with the three of us, Stabbed, Bowel, Erosion, Exsanguinated, and, uh, Volnificus, um, uh, which is, uh, we had Eston Brown. Eston. Yeah, we had Eston Brown on not so long ago to promote Volnificus and other bands he's been in, man. So that's going to be a great time over there. What a great weekend we got planned. Looking forward to it. I, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Beautiful experience. So that out of the way, we plugged our, we shamelessly plugged Big Will's shows. Um, now you, now I'm going to pay the pay the tax, Sam, uh, uh, for having you on tonight. Plug anything you got. What else you got with your bands? Uh, well, th- this upcoming weekend, uh, we got, a uh, little NYC shootout weekender mm. for those of you in uh, Philadelphia. We got uh, the 9th, September 9th at the pharmacy. And then September 10th at the Shamrock Inn. And uh, we're, we're playing with our homies in uh, Scrutinize, Fool's Game, Don't Start None, Physical Altercation, 
10 slugs cycle of abuse harm assist i mean that's a lot of bands split up between uh those two shows uh but if, if, if you like heavy beat down hardcore or you just want to see me play drums for some reason uh <laughs> you, you, you can you, you can come to either of those if you're in the area um and actually this isn't a show i'm playing but it, it's on my mind uh we were talking about prayer for cleansing they're doing a reunion show okay in north carolina december 18th and uh me and uh mark shout out mark from you know blame god stabbed exam like almost all the bands I play in besides Battle Erosion and Reeking Aura. Uh, we're, we're traveling out to North Carolina to see Undying Prayer for Cleansing and Catharsis. Wow. That's a big show right there if, if for that scene. I get it. Yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought that was worth mentioning since we were talking about the the Prayer for Cleansing record and the, the early metalcore stuff. And, uh, what else do I got? Cut? Oh yeah, and then Blame God is playing uh, Saint Vitus on uh, September twelfth, so the following Monday at Vitus, it's Blame God, World Peace, Backslider, Kidnapped, and Sinister Feeling. And then uh, if you're in Massachusetts, you can catch us at uh, the end of October, October twenty eighth, with Come to Grief. Oh, that's um, a, that's a that, big one. That, that's Blame God Edict Grasp and strictly hip hop over at uh the middle east in uh massachusetts i've seen that name strictly hip hop around is that a power violence band yeah yeah they they're like a grindy like power violence band uh you, you probably saw their name on like maybe one of the necrofest flyers yeah okay. I, I i think josh had him down for one of the after shows right. i think it was the one i wrestled on if I, if I remember correctly, great, great. But uh, you know, the, the the light bulbs to my head kind of rattled my brains a little bit. Yeah, I I great. They had a light bulb over their head when they thought of that name. I like the name Strictly Hip Hop. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good like power violence kind of name. Um, all right. Okay, any other shows coming up? You got you got plug man. Uh, you got uh, December third, Balerosian Bog Body, Miasmatic Necrosis, and Mortician. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, big big time. Yeah. Yeah, nice. big time at, at St. Vitus. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think as far as shows, that, that wraps it up. I, I just want to say real quick, I just want to say rest in peace to Kev One from Bulldoze, who just recently passed away uh, a couple days ago. Oh. Uh, but Bulldoze was gearing up to do some uh, reunion shows, and I, I was like excited to catch him at, at one of them. So uh, I, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Rest in peace. One of the hardest motherfuckers ever pick up a microphone i'd say kev one from bulldoze and terror zone both uh great and seminal uh new york hardcore bands well rest in peace man um we encourage our listeners to at least check that out so they familiarize themselves with the legacy like i should as uh, as well um uh that being said uh big shout to our guest Vinny panza um and you know one thing i i, I neglected he he has a um very heavy hardcore band called Locked Inside uh, that we didn't even really get to discuss because we had such a conversation with him. So I'm going to ask Tom to drop a little bit of that in right now just for the listeners while we're on the, the recommendation tip. 
Yeah, just locked inside. Um, you can go. I got that off a of Bandcamp. Locked inside from New York City, uh, straight edge hardcore band featuring tonight's guest Vinny Panza on drums. Maybe we'll get to talk to him about that one one day uh, in the future when they have another release or something. We talked about so much tonight. Uh, and Sam, thank you for your recommendations um, and for hyping us uh, on some shows that are coming up. We hope to see everybody out there in the real world as these shows are going on. And uh, But if, if we don't see you in the real world, you can always go to the uh, Heavy Hole Patreon or catch us on social media, leave us a voicemail. Uh, contact us which, whichever way. We appreciate you listening. Um, and uh, until next time, I think it would only be appropriate for us to play some music by um, maybe Bulldoze. Yeah. Uh, in memory of Kev One. Why the fuck you know?